What's up, guys? Chris Avery with you on a brand new episode of Chargers Weekly. OTAs underway in Costa Mesa this week. And it's always a great day when I get to talk ball with my guy, Omar Ruiz, NFL Network. Omar, I got to see you in person on Monday. It was a welcome sight to finally get out to practice in person with everybody. It was awesome, Chris. It was great to see you in person. It was great to see the team on the field in person. I can't recall, you know, seeing, uh, you know, an OTA last year. Obviously, we didn't have any in, in any of the, the training camp. You know, we had to rely mostly on Zoom. So, really, I think you go back to 2019 where you go go out to the field and, and everything kind of felt a little bit normal. We were still wearing masks, you know, per, per protocols and, and, and all the rules that we have to follow. But uh, it seems like it had been a while, Chris, that, that we – Got to watch some ball and, and the guys throw the football around. And um, I think by the time the 2021 regular season rolls around, we should be seeing that on a regular basis. Absolutely. And it, it just felt good. Obviously, there's not much you can really take from a lot of these practices, but it's good to see the veterans back in the building, mixing in with the rookies. We just had rookie minicamp a few weeks ago. I, I think the headliner, though, was the return of Derwin James to the practice field last Saturday. He said he was cleared for football activities, no setbacks. He's a hundred percent. He's ready to go. Um, what caught your ear in his press conference on Monday, Omar? Well, several things in fact, and I, I think what's uh, more telling about his participation on Monday is when we were watching him, Chris, uh, I noticed that, uh, he didn't he didn't sit out any plays in all the plays that we were able to watch uh, that were open to the media. He participated in every single play for the defense. And usually, uh, you know, for the fans that might be, be unfamiliar, usually, you know, a big star like that will, will sit out and be substituted for every now and again. But but Durham was there. And that was before we found out that he had been officially medically cleared. And then after practice, right. Brandon Staley said, that he had been in fact cleared. And, and, and then, so getting back to your question here, what stood out to me is when Derwin said, Hey, I know I had some bad luck the last couple of years. That's all I'm going to label it as I am still going full bore in this. I am not going to scale back myself. I need all the reps I can get. Essentially what he's saying is I am a great player because I work at it and I don't take reps off and I, and I need all the reps I can get in practice. And that was very clear to us in watching him take every rep at that practice on Monday. And I think Brandon Staley for his part and the coaching staff and the medical staff and the sports performance, everybody coming together to collectively scale back some of the workouts and not go full bore in one-on-ones or in 11 and on 11 competition, make it more of a mental camp. So that way Derwin doesn't have to, uh, rein it in if he feels he has to. He can yeah. just go 100% mentally, get to where he needs to go, get all those reps on the field uh, physically as hard as they are allowing and recover to 100% come week one. Omar, he's a tone setter, and that was dating back to his rookie year in 2018. The energy that he brings to all sides of the football, offense, defense, and special teams when he's out there, uh, that, that leadership quality was evident from week one of 2018. I, I think it's so important for him to set the tone, especially in a new defense. Uh, everybody's learning a brand-new scheme, 
he's gotten probably a little bit of an inside track knowing Jalen Ramsey and having that relationship and getting a, a snapshot of what that could look like for him. But you make a great point. He was out there going full speed as much as you possibly can during OTAs. But it's almost like I'm the leader too. follow me and everybody's got to get on the same page because not only do we have a new coaching staff, we're learning a brand new scheme. It doesn't matter if you're a rookie, you're in year four or you're in year 10. We all got to get on the same page. Yeah, showing that leadership. And I think another takeaway from his press conference uh, was the fact that he said that he feels like he's a smarter player. And obviously being on the sideline all of last year, he had time to go through those mental reps from the sideline and, and take the game more from a cerebral approach. Not that he didn't before, but obviously last year he was forced to in a way that he had never had. And so I think he came out feeling like he was a better player uh, for that experience. And he said the game has slowed down for him. And yeah. so when you have a player who you said is as tone setting as it gets in the NFL, already one of the best players, you know, when he's been healthy, he's been just so electrifying. And he's just one of those players, even out of practice on Monday, one of those guys you just can't help take your eyes off of because of the way he moves and the way he anticipates and the way he, he reads the play and all of that. If he's even smarter and the game has slowed down for him, look out for, for Derwin James in 2021. That was your question, and I thought that that was the most striking to me because we, we, we talked about his injuries, and you know it's he said, I'm not the, the last guy that's going to get injured on a football field. But that struck me the most because it was so genuine, and he wanted everyone to feel what he was feeling. He's just mm -hmm. like, you have to see it in 2021, but the game has gotten slower for me. Um, and that's a scary sight, uh, frankly, for, for a 24-year-old player who was an all-pro as rookie year that the game has gotten slower for him. So uh, that was the, the headliner out of Costa Mesa this week. You know, Omar, I haven't talked to you much since the beginning of this offseason when Brandon Staley was hired. So maybe if we could just go back to the beginning, just your initial thoughts when he was hired. You're plugged into this league, specifically on the West Coast. I know you covered – Coach Staley uh, in uh, L.A. with the Rams and what he was able to do as a defensive coordinator. Did you have an inkling just talking to him last year and then the combination of that and the performance by the defense that we could see a rise like this coming from him? I, I didn't. I mean, when he when he started to be circulated, his name, uh, you know, in in different reports that he was, in fact, a candidate after leaving that Rams to the. Uh, number one ranked defense, it was somewhat of a surprise given his limited experience based on his resume alone. However, when you go back to even the first press conference I ever sat in with him uh, when he was first hired as defensive coordinator for the Rams, he is just so impressive in how he speaks and how he communicates. And he references back to his parents being coaches and teachers and, and that ability to communicate and lead in that way when you think about his experience and the results that he's on the, had on the field, it is not surprising that he has climbed the ladder so quickly. Um, the results speak for themselves. His ability to connect immediately with Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald, two of the best players in the NFL, would have Chargers fans, I believe, thinking that he's going to connect the same way, like you mentioned, with Derwin James and Joey Bosa and the rest of the monsters on that defense. And then he played quarterback in college and, and, and all the experience he had on that side of the ball ought to give him, you know, a pretty, pretty good scope 
on what he can bring to the table with Justin Herbert and the offense and, and obviously giving the input for Joe Lombardi as offensive coordinator there. So he's an impressive guy. Just, you know, he had that same Sean McVay capability where he calls everybody by name when he's answering questions and really is yeah. thorough about it and thoughtful. Um, so, so surprising uh, from where he started the year uh, as a head coaching candidate, you know, the way it all ended, but kind of when you think about it and analyze it and the results that have followed wherever he's gone, not a surprise. And, and I think he'll do very well there. It's been enjoyable just to hear him talk. I think his first press conference with 90 plus minutes, every time he speaks, you could see and just feel his passion for football. He just wants to talk ball. And you know, you know what I love, Chris, uh, you know, I know you're a hoops fan too, is he, you know, he always gives these basketball analogies yes. you know, whenever he's talking about, you know, playing one-on-one -on -one or playing pickup at the Y or any of those. So that kind of gets my juices going because, <laughs> yes. you know, obviously, you know, we, we never played in the NFL, but we've all played hoops, uh, you know, pickup games and all that sort of stuff. So you can kind of relate to that a little bit, the way he, he makes those analogies and uh, kind of puts you in the, the heart of that competition. Um, so, you know, the way he illustrates, he talks, and, and I'm sure he's the same way when he's communicating in meetings to his players. He finds a way to connect uh, with them. And I think that's that's the sign of a true leader, a sign of a good coach. And, uh, you know, probably one of those reasons why he has, uh, has had a significant track record and why he's become a head coach so quickly. It's funny. I, I think we've had a Warriors reference uh, <laughs> so far. I think an old... 80s Cavaliers reference, uh, yeah. a, a 72 and 10 Bulls reference. So, yeah, you're right. There's been a <laughs> lot of NBA references from Coach Staley. And then, you know, this offseason, it's been about protecting Justin Herbert, first and foremost. We know what Justin did last year. He's coming off reigning Offensive Rookie of the Year. But to bring in Corey Lindsley and then Matt Filer, Ode Abushi, uh, you hope Brian Bulaga can kind of return to form. He was injured a lot last year. You draft Rashawn Slater. Uh, they they would sprinkled in. Make no mistake, other other pieces on sure. the roster, up and down the roster. But the offensive line, Omar, that was priority A. And now you look at what Justin Herbert has in front of him. It's almost completely new. Yeah, and and I think uh, it's an upgrade. You know, uh, frankly, um, in terms of availability. You know, I think you know that a lot of these younger guys who have shown. Um, you know, some durability uh, early in their careers. Hopefully that'll continue here in, in 2021. You'd like to think that would lead to some cohesion there. But I think no matter how good your quarterback is, Patrick Mahomes included, and we saw this in the Super Bowl, if you can't protect your quarterback, he's not going to have much success and, and it's not going to lead to winning games. And, and obviously we saw that as electrifying as Justin is, and he was in that rookie year and, and well-deserved all the praise he got and all the records he sat. They were seven and nine, and obviously they want to be much better than that. And of course, injuries on both sides of the ball didn't help. But you know, it gets back to protecting that franchise quarterback. And and, and it's interesting because a lot of people say that oh, the Buccaneers, you know, they created the blueprint for slowing down the Chiefs. And I was like, I was like, no, they no, they didn't. We know how you could slow down Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs' offense. That they had two Pro Bowl tackles there that were hurt during the playoff run, and so it's a lot easier yeah. to execute that game plan when you don't have a premier offensive line protecting one of those elite, elite quarterbacks. And I think the Chargers have Justin Herbert, someone who is on his way to being in that high upper echelon elite, elite quarterback. And certainly Tom Telesco recognizing that to protect him will accentuate his success.
you know, Justin had success even with some of the offensive line issues last year, but every season is independent, right? So we'll we'll see how this new look offensive line looks really over our starting week one against perhaps the best defensive line (laughs) of football in Washington. We get to see Rashawn Slater versus Chase Young again. You got Montez Sweat, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen. Uh, Talk about a, a first test for this offensive line week one in DC, man. Yeah, that was the game that jumped out to me. I mean, beyond the obvious ones, you know, Buccaneers hosting the the season opener against the Cowboys and that. But I I thought this game was the sneaky good game of the week, given that you have the reigning offensive and defensive rookies of the year going off with Herbert and Young. And then you mentioned Young and Slater going against each other, renewing that Ohio State-Northwestern rivalry. And if Folks, remember back in that game in 2019, I believe it was, yep. when Northwestern and Rashawn Slater held his own against Chase Young, and that really put him on the map in terms of elite football prospects for the NFL. And sure enough, you know that that led to him being you know an upper echelon first round pick in this past draft. So it'll be nice to see them. Uh, renew acquaintances. And and you mentioned all those first rounders on defense for Washington, obviously won a weak division last year with that seven to nine record. But I think they're counting in a big way that defense to make a huge jump as good as it was last year. They're counting on making a significant jump and being one of the best defenses in the entire NFL. So that revamped Chargers offensive line will get tested right away. And and of course, all the weapons that Herbert has on his disposal. And it'll be fun to watch, that's for sure. And, and you know, Fitzmagic is going to try to pull something out of his hat. It'll be a oh, good yeah. test for the Chargers defense as well. It's a great way to kick things off. Then the Cowboys come to SoFi week two. Then you get into the division. And that's where I kind of want to shift gears towards Omar. This AFC West, we, we talked about what the Chargers have done to upgrade the roster this offseason. It still starts with the Chiefs. Uh, the Broncos seem to have made a lot of good moves. The quarterback situation, I think, is still in question mark. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders have made a lot of different moves. Just your assessment of the AFC West as, as we sit here at the end of May. Yeah, well, I, I think the Chiefs addressed, you know, what, what became very apparent in the playoffs, that, that offensive line had maybe aged out a little bit, became a little more injury prone and trading for Orlando Brown, a, you know, blockbuster type of talent to protect Patrick Mahomes and getting Austin Blythe and, and a lot of that depth and getting uh, uh, Chris Long, uh, 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 Kyle Long, yeah. Kyle Long out of retirement, you know, obviously was a pro bowler with the bears three times. Um, we'll see what he has left after a year off from football, but obviously revamping those tools. And, and I think, you know, defensively, offensively, the weapons are still in place and they've structured those contracts. Uh, Brett Beach has, you know, so that they do have that, um, core in place again, but it was about protecting Patrick Mahomes, just like we talked about with Justin Herbert and the Chiefs have addressed that and, and I think are still the prohibitive favorites in the AFC West, if not the entire AFC. And then the Denver Broncos and the Raiders, where's the gap there, you think, when it comes to the Chiefs? Obviously, you're looking at Kansas City. I, I think the Chargers the Broncos and the Raiders, uh, you know, you could, you could argue, I think a couple of the different things there, but, but Denver outside of the quarterback position, man, they've done a lot to upgrade that roster and we'll see what happens with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. I do like that. It's a wide open quarterback competition and it's going to be 50, 50 in training camp and, and may the best man win. But I think uh, if, for either quarterback, I think you go back to Minnesota 
and Teddy Bridgewater, him getting them to the playoffs early in his career and, and having pretty good success before the knee injury. Uh, he had pretty good teams. And then, and then, you know, the, the team sort of, um, you know, kind of went through a recycling, you know, rebuilding type of mode. And, and Teddy obviously wasn't a part of that post injury and then wasn't much of a roster there in Carolina after he played with a five and zero record in new Orleans for drew Brees when he had a talented roster. Yeah, so people forget I that. think there won't be any more excuses, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, um, you know, can, can try to establish himself as a bona fide starter here with that roster around him. And it's the same thing with drew Locke. I think he'll have the best roster uh, in his career uh, for the Broncos this year, Cortland Sutton, you know, they hope comes back hundred percent and obviously was prolific in 2019 and, and rebuilding that defense, Von Miller coming back healthy, Bradley Chubb, you know, them getting together uh, at the same time, um, on, uh, you know, for a full season and they hope leads to a lot of success and Vic Fangio puts it all together, but either way for that quarterback, no excuses. And then I think you guys are very familiar with, you know, what the Raiders defense might be capable of with Gus Bradley and Ron Miles and, and some of the other staff members that have called uh, chargers home the last few years. And then Casey Hayward and, and, you know, unique and Gawkway trying to improve. So I think, you know, for the Raiders, it's how quickly that defense can improve under Gus Bradley. For the Broncos, it's how good can that offense be with, you know, a couple of question marks at quarterback. And then for the Chargers, I think there's no question about the talents, you know, how healthy can they be, which is seemingly the question it's been the last few years, because I think on paper, the Chargers have the second most talented roster, but, you know, can they all stay on the field? Uh, for the full 16 games. So a lot of questions there with a wide range of variables and success rates, but I think they all can make a case um, if things go and bounce the right way for them to be right there with the Chiefs in the division, which makes it for, Chris, a, a completely wide open division, a, a competitive and one that has the makings of, you know, one of those type of divisions where all four teams are knocking on the door for a playoff spot you know, come week 14, 15, 16, 17, and, and this year, 18 uh, in the playoff race. Can you believe that? Exactly. Yeah. I, I got to get I gotta get used to having 10 and 6 and 8 and 8 and 9 and 7 out the window. Now. <laughs> we, we, we got a, a 17 games down with that record. Uh, I, I'm with you, and I, and I think this. Uh, when you look at the end of the year, and this is what I want to get you out of here on just talking about SoFi Stadium, but you look at the end of the year – uh, Chargers Chiefs week 15 Thursday night football at SoFi Stadium. Uh, the one thing we don't know right now is health. And mm -hmm. if the Chargers are healthy, I think there's no doubt that they can contend in the West and, and at least contend for a wild card spot. But it's all going to be contingent on health. Um, and we don't know what's going to happen from now till the end of training camp, yet alone week one. So all these things are, are kind of out of our control right now as we talk about this. But just as we get into the season, Omar, your your excitement level for SoFi Stadium and, and actually seeing that thing full of fans. The Chargers have three primetime games this year. Raiders on Monday Night Football Week 4, I believe Week 11 against the Steelers on Sunday Night Football, and then that Week 15 matchup I mentioned against the Chiefs. Yeah, it, it's going to be surreal, I think. I mean, I think those of us who have been in it just rave about it. You know, it, it is just a, a perfect place to watch a game, and I can only imagine how cool it's going to be when the stadium is full and it is rocking and they are making noise and, and you know, the, the, the thunderous applause or boos are raining down. And I'm curious to see what the acoustics will be like with the fans making an impact on the game on third down, because 
Chris, it's already know, loud you know, in there, right? It's already it's, loud. it's already it was loud with all that artificial sound. But you know the way the stadium is laid out, you know it's dug into the ground, so it's a bowl like atmosphere. So you know it seems like the crowd is yelling down, and all that sound is going to be held down below there. The actual you know uh, surface you know for the rest of the facility. So I'm curious to see how that you know the acoustics will reverberate there, and and what sort of impact the fans can actually make on the game. But yeah, you know, it's one of a kind. Um, the whole world is going to be able to see it at the Super Bowl and uh, the next season. And I think, yep. you know, for the Chargers, what a way to kick off uh, than America's team coming in and, and Jerry Jones and, and the traveling circus that that is. And then hopefully, uh, you know, for them, even for the Rams, I, I keep saying, wouldn't it be phenomenal for the LA Super Bowl to have both LA teams playing in it that that'd be some way to finish wow. the season but uh, a lot a lot to get to before then but I just can't wait for not only fans in Southern California to see it firsthand and experience what you and I have been able to experience thus far and then the whole world to see it uh, come Super Bowl Sunday in February it's going to be a fun season Chris can't wait to get back can't wait to have the fans fully rocking interacting with them hopefully we got to be down on the sidelines once again and and uh golly you know I don't know if there has ever been a season that's been more anticipated and a lot of excitement building towards than this one. As we talk about this too, like we're, we're in May right now. Like I want to get out there <laughs> right now. Like even, just the, thought, even just the thought Omar, of a, of a chargers Rams super bowl. Could you imagine like just the, the storylines there with, with McVay and Stanley? Yes. And, <laughs> uh-huh. All of that. It's a podcast. So we're allowed to dream a little bit here in May. Uh, but I can't wait. Uh, it's always a pleasure talking to you, my man. You do such a great job on NFL Network. What do you have going on over the next couple of months as we kind of hit this slower period before training camp? Yeah, I'll, I'll still pop in, pop into the studio and do some total accesses and you know some news information, manning the desk in case there's any breaking news happening. We'll be popping out at different OTAs and mini camps, so we'll still have everything covered. You know, all things NFL all the time. Uh, NFL Network, and then and then really with that July 27th announcement that training camps will begin uh, throughout the league uniformly, with the exception uh, of a few teams that are playing in the Hall of Fame game, and of course the Buccaneers playing that Thursday game. It's the uh, Steelers, Cowboys, and Buccaneers have that exception, but everybody else, July 27th, NFL Network will be all over. We'll be at every camp, and we'll be uh, all guns blazing, ready for the 2021 season. Well, I know I will see you out at Chargers camp, no doubt, in July. I can't thank you enough for your time. And, uh, hey, man, let's let's get to the season sooner than later. <laughs> yeah, man. I look, for, look forward to seeing you in person at a game uh, this year. And, and uh, Chris, always a pleasure to be with you. Always great to see you. Look forward to seeing you again here soon. And that's going to do it for us. A big thanks to Omar Ruiz for joining me. And, of course, thanks to you all for listening. Be sure to download and subscribe to the Chargers Podcast Network, wherever you listen to podcasts rate and review we're also on youtube and chargers.com so a lot of different avenues to get the chargers podcast network have a great weekend we'll see you next time i'm chris harry